Concern yourself with his reputation. Concern ourselves with his kingdom and his sovereign rule. Concern ourselves with his will and purposes. Welcome to our service today, the 7th of November. Today, um, the service will be led by me, and the message will be from Doug Everswick. Uh, hope you all enjoy it. All right, good morning, everyone. Welcome to our first service for November. Uh, today is the 311th day of the year. It means we have 54 days until the end of the year, 48 days until Christmas. 45 days until Unity Day. <laughs> and maybe an hour till we have snacks. As I'm sure we all know, um, it's with great sorrow that we learned of the passing of our own Roy yesterday. Um, our sincere condolences and sympathies go out to Maureen and Janet, David and the families. I just thought before we start with our praise and worship, I found a couple of words of encouragement which I thought would be it says, in times of sorrow, may you see God's light on the path ahead when the road you walk is dark. May you always hear, even in your hour of sorrow, the gentle singing of the lark. When times are hard, may hardness never turn your heart to stone. May you always remember when the shadows fall, you do not walk alone. And I think uh, it's kind of important to remember that we are a family and that we're all there for you if you need us. Before we begin our present worship, I was looking and, you know, I like to research things, and I see today, the 6th of November, 7th, 7th of November, is Hungarian Opera Day. It's kind of a weird thing to celebrate, but uh, seeing as we're going to sing, and we have people who are, if not Hungarian, perhaps a little hungry, um, we can use our voices to celebrate we're going to kick off with uh, number 467 in your white books, which is Morning Has Broken. We don't have a pianist today. I am the everything, the pianist. Um, I'm not going to lead the singing because there's voices on there. So if we could be all upstanding, the morning has broken. Where his feet pass 
Mine is the sunlight Mine is the morning Born of the one light Eden saw play Praise with elation Praise every morning God's recreation Of the new Next one now, which is number 295, which is uh, Elotes, 295.
everyone. Shall we sit it? Bow our heads in prayer. Father, we'd like to thank you for every seat that's been filled here today, for all our guests. For each mind and heart that fills the presence of this room, we thank you. Only you truly know what each of us are setting out to accomplish today. We all have an idea, a vision, hints and daily instructions. We all have talents, abilities and time to work. However, only you, Father, can see in perfect detail to the end of every beginning. Every project, every season, every life, nothing is ever in vain. For even mistakes and missteps are used by you for good. Your righteousness transcends all our efforts and understanding. Please forgive us for our pride, that pride that puffs us up and the pride that threatens to unqualify us. Lord, we ask you to strengthen our confidence in who you have made us to be. Set us free from the toxic comparisons in order that we work together efficiently. Thank you for your amazing power and work in our lives. Thank you for your goodness and for your blessings over all of us. Thank you that you are able to bring hope even through the toughest and saddest of times, strengthening us for your purposes. Thank you, Father, for your great love and care. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you that you are always with us and will never leave us. Forgive us when we don't thank you enough for who you are, for all that you do, and for all that you're given. Help us to set our eyes and our hearts on you anew. Renew our spirits. Fill us with your peace and joy. We love you. We need you this day and every day. We give you praise and thanks, for you alone are worthy. Bless this gathering today, our speakers, and all those present, as well as, in the, as the lives of those that we will encounter throughout the day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mike, are you doing notices or are you out injured? Morning and welcome everybody, particularly Doug and Nancy and uh, Bruce and Bonnie Newsham. I've only got one birthday down for this week, and that's Jenny Bailey, uh, but she's not here. Um, does anyone else have a birthday this week? Um, so if anybody happens to be speaking to Jenny, her birthday is on the 13th, Sunday the 13th. Does anyone have an anniversary this week? Um, so our speaker today is Doug Eversworth, and our speaker next Sunday will be Dennis Anderson. Uh, evening Bible study on Wednesday at 5 p.m., 7 p.m. or Wednesday at 6 p.m. Sunday school is in recess at the moment, and we will be having communion next Sunday the 14th. Um, just ask you please to keep the following people in your prayers. Bruce Friel, Nolan Gundu, Aaron, Pete Watson, Carol Hill, Karen Baker, Cheryl Friel, and me. Um, it was our cracker making day yesterday. A big thank you to all those who turned out and uh, helped boost the numbers. Uh, 
There were 14 at the end of the day, but I understand there's others being added to that. 51, I think, um, somebody had done on top of that. And Becky uh, um, is also doing some more, I understand. So she's done it. So, yes, congratulations. Well done, everybody. And then I asked if it's best to pray for my single because they're not tearing up very quickly and they are very resourceful and pulling my thumb a lot. Thanks, Elsie. Thanks, Mike. Uh, well, you kind of stole my thunder, but I, I did want to say before we went any further that I, uh, it would be wrong of me not to just once again thank everyone who contributed yesterday in any way, shape or form, from donations of toilet rolls and paper to sweets and toys and the people who just pitched up yesterday out of nowhere having made crackers at home and because they couldn't come and spend the day yesterday. It was really awesome to see. And, you know, it's really heartwarming to see the togetherness the whole family aspect that the church exhibited yesterday for that even the guests who don't come to the church, they were willing to sit and give of their time all day, some of them, to do those things. Uh, 1,400 crackers, it's, uh, it's no joke. Uh, um, some people have fully admitted that they perhaps weren't as productive as they could have been. Sean and I are definitely two of those because we were the supervisors, but um, <laughs> it, it the thing is, is that what was really interesting to see was as we, as the day wore on and we'd been working hard and it was hot and we all started to get tired, spirits started to flag a little bit and the productivity levels dropped a bit and it just wasn't as much fun anymore. And often when we get tired, we get cranky, we get irritable and things that normally wouldn't bother us suddenly become much bigger issues. When this happens, there's really a simple solution that we often forget about. It just escapes us, and yet it's so obvious. Anyone want to know or give a guess? Exactly. How about having a prayer? Just to, you, to get your spirits raised up again. Turn to prayer. Personally, this week, I've been amazed and delighted by the power of prayer. Uh, it's like your speed dial to God. Uh, when we talk to the Sunday school, we often have explained about the importance of a prayer and we say that it's their way to communicate with God. And we explain it in the simplest of terms to them because they're kids and we believe that they, that's the best way for them to grasp it. But it's actually the best way for us to grasp it as well. As adults, we just we forget about it. When we want to deal with obstacles, it just it seems too much. And I... Uh, there's so many instances where that's just the simplest thing to do. I was reading, we all have our quiet time in the morning, and I, I found something which I just want to read to you because it, it just, it really, it re-emphasized this point. And it said, in Gethsemane, Jesus came back and found his disciples sleeping. He said to Peter, can't any of you stay awake with me for just one hour? Stay awake and pray that you won't be tested. You want to do what is right, but you are weak. Jesus was just hours from the cross, and he asked his disciples to pray for him. Imagine his disappointment when he found them sleeping. Perhaps they didn't get enough rest the night before. Maybe they were worn out from a hard day's work. We've all been victims of drowsiness, so we shouldn't be surprised that they fell asleep, but we are. 
were shocked because it's such an important night. This night, more than any other, required the discipline of prayer. But the disciples missed a great opportunity to encourage and strengthen Jesus in his hour of need. And it was going to be their hour of need as well. They missed an opportunity to strengthen themselves. And the enemy knows that if he keeps you from prayer, you will be powerless. He is the master of distraction. Think how often we've all been robbed of our quiet time with God by things like TV, the internet, emails, a messy house, your to-do list, the list goes on and on. Your quiet time with God isn't something we should try and fit into a day. It must be something we prioritize or it won't happen. Sorry, uh, we don't know what each day holds, but through prayer and spending time in God's word, we can prepare our hearts for whatever life throws at us. That's my little soapbox speech for today. Before we hand over to Doug, who I'm sure is itching to get up here and talk to us, um, let's just have another hymn. Um, and I think this one is important for all, all of us to remember. It's number 746 in the white books. What a friend we have in Jesus. Number 746.
people meeting in Jesus name and praising him it's such a good thing and today we are part of a great family across all the time zones of the world that are meeting in Jesus name uh, to offer worship to confess sins to sing praises to receive from him. And uh, so we're going to take a little bit of time and look together at something from the Lord. Uh, it's been interesting that much of what has come through is this, how, how, how important a part of our life and our faith is prayer. And we're going to be looking at at somebody who gave us some pretty good input about praying. Uh, so that's where we're gonna go. But before we do, I just would like to update you a little bit. You'll have to excuse Nancy and I, we're not gonna linger long over the, over the tea and the goodies and the fellowship. We are heading back to our place. We've got folks coming for, uh, Often on a Sunday, we gather together for a, for a home church. And uh, so we got a bunch of people coming. So please excuse us. We're not trying to disappear quickly, but we have to. Um, then later today, we're going to be, Lord willing, heading to Mutare. Because tomorrow morning, we are wanting to cross the border into Mozambique. We've got co-workers near Beta, and uh, they have been locked in 
uh, we have not had any any visits either way for uh, over a couple of years now. And we are very eager to go and encourage them. They have been very alone for a long time. So we're going to try and cross the border tomorrow. We've got, we're armed with papers. Uh, we, we would appreciate your prayers that we will be granted access to visit our, our co-workers there in Mozambique and spend a week with them. Um, I know some of you ask about Karanda Hospital. Karanda Hospital is going strong. They have uh, weathered these waves of COVID. They've had to deal with it in the hospital among their staff. Uh, one of the effects of these days is that people are slower in getting medical attention both because of the lockdowns and the lack of public transport, but also the reticence to go to a, a medical facility. And so when they come, they are often very ill. And so while there are fewer patients during some of these times, the care that is required for them is uh, increased. So you can pray for your brothers and sisters who are uh, running a, a a very uh, a God gift of medical care and spiritual nurture and encouragement. Uh, you can pray. We would really be grateful if the Lord would send a surgeon, a general surgeon out there because there are so many cases that can't just be treated medically. Um, we need IT expertise. We need uh, maintenance skills and uh, there, there are a lot of there are a lot of slots to fill and some of the senior management are at a point of retirement so if you think of praying for the Karanda that they might have strength and perseverance but that God would be pleased to fill in important slots so that the ministry can be effective and directed well uh, to his praise. Okay, Lord, bless our time as we consider your word. Grant us the presence of your spirit and the light from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, uh, no doubt uh, you have uh, read articles or listened to sermons or read books and volumes about prayer. Uh, and it's a great pursuit because it's such a core part of the Christian life. Um, but I'd like to take us to uh, the one who taught us, who teaches us who guides us in this matter of prayer. And in Matthew chapter six, we find the Lord interacting with his disciples. And there's a chunk of this chapter which zeroes in on prayer. So Jesus, with limited time with his disciples on earth, when he gathers them together, one of the things that he gives very clear and helpful instruction on is how to pray. 
What's prayer about? Matthew chapter 6 is a key part of the teaching from Jesus himself. So we do well to pay attention to this. Let me read. Matthew chapter 6. And you know in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, there's a cluster of teachings that Jesus gave, uh, often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Um, but in verse 5, Jesus says this, And when you pray... And when you pray, it's not if you pray or do you want to pray, it's when you pray. And as he starts this section of teaching, he starts with two warnings, two very simple problems that are common in prayer. So he says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into a room, shut the door, pray for the Father, pray to the Father who is in secret. And your father who's in, who, who sees in secret will reward you. So the first reference that Jesus makes to prayer in this section of teaching is a warning. And it was a warning that these disciples, these followers who were listening, understood. Because they had seen the religious leaders of the day stand in the synagogue, robed in their garb, or on the street corners doing their praying in public. Jesus said, don't be praying to draw attention to yourself. When you pray, go off to the closet because prayer is about communing with God. And when prayer becomes an opportunity or, or, or the motive, one of the motives for prayer becomes this self-exposure to others that we are praying well or that we know how to do it. Attention-seeking. Uh, I've been out to Dombosau or Gomakurina and, and sometimes in the mountains nearby there's this booming voice out there a man of God up in the hills praying his heart out hour after hour and the, and the words echoing through the valleys around. You've heard it. Uh, sometimes. Anyway, I, I think, I, I think we, we, we understand that, that we need to be careful whether we are in a church where everybody prays together and voices are, are raised together, or whether we are in a more conservative community, in any regard, Jesus says, be careful that you're not praying in a way to draw attention to yourself. 
you're communing with God. So that's the first warning. The second warning follows on. And when you pray in verse 7, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So the second problem that Jesus identifies that we ought to be alert to is the urge that, that is not uncommon that many words make prayer effective. Or somehow God is, is, is his arm is twisted. Uh, if, if one prayer is powerful, then a hundred thousand prayers. One, Jesus says, be careful. Be careful not to think that in many words, many words that can be meaningless is prayer made powerful. It's not the amount of words. For your father knows what you need even before you ask. I don't need to tell Jesus 10,000 times that I need his help for something. He knows it already. So, to begin with, Jesus identifies two areas that are often problematic when it comes to praying. The one area is sometimes we pray in a way that draws attention to ourselves and not to God himself, and that's not good. The other is sometimes we think that the, that the words themselves in their multiples or, or repetition somehow make the prayer do its job. Jesus says, no, your father knows. Your father hears in secret. Your father knows before you tell him, before the words are out of your mouth, he knows what we need. But then he says, pray then like this. And these words we know, all of us, from childhood. Children in the, the lower grades of the schooling, even today, in very many cases, start the day praying the Lord's Prayer. And in verses 9, he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now we've maybe prayed this 10,000 times in our lives. We can pray it without thinking and the words are meaningless, which we have just been warned against. But there is something precious and beautiful and simple and amazing and balanced and, and marvelous in this little example, this little model for praying that Jesus gave, gave his disciples and is for us today. We're going to just look at it in very broad terms for a few minutes. First of all, 
We refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. Why? I, I think probably because he's the one who taught it. But uh, it, in, in a sense, it really is better described as the disciples' prayer because Jesus, uh, first of all, wouldn't be one who says, forgive my sins. Uh, his, he was perfect. This is, a, this is a prayer for disciples taught by Jesus. So it's both the Lord's prayer and our prayer. Then I, I would just like to note, just like, like, like to see a bit of an outline here. If we go to the, you're talking to somebody about the Bible and they don't know a thing, what do you do? You can say, well, there's different parts in the Bible and, and we need to understand the different parts because they have their own significance and, and importance. You got the Old Testament. That's one big chunk. And the New Testament. But within the Old Testament, there's different parts, right? What are some of the other parts in the, in the Old Testament? Okay, so you've got Psalms as part of a, a cluster of poetry. You've got Genesis, which is, a, which is a, a, a part of a cluster of books that deal with the, 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 the history and the beginnings. You have another section which deals with the, the, the words of the prophets. In the New Testament, you've got the Gospels, and you've got the history, and you've got the letters. Uh, so there's, there are different parts the same is true, I think, with the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. And I think this is, I find this to be useful to see this. First of all, he gives the invocation. Who do we pray to? How do we start our prayer? Who are we addressing? And uh, he just makes it very simple. Our opening address, our invocation, is to God, our Father in heaven. So Jesus says to his disciples, when you pray, pray like this. We pray to our Father who is in heaven. But what is what follows? And I think there are, if you count them up, there are six petitions which follow. There are six requests that Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. You pray to our Father who is in heaven. And then he gives us six prayer requests. I want you to notice this. The first three, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be holy. May it be lifted up. May it be magnified. May it be separated. May it be holy. Honored. That's the first request. The second request is thy kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom if somebody has a kingdom, they are a king. If somebody is a king, they reign, they rule, they oversee. 
The second request that Jesus taught us to pray is, may your kingdom come. So the God who is our Father in heaven, who we are praying to, is also the King. We are recognizing his sovereignty. And we are reaffirming our submission to his sovereign reign. Our desire that his reign be, be over us, that we participate in it. The third request is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God in heaven, may your will be done. What you want to be done as it is happens in heaven, may it be so here. We want your will. We want your purposes to be fulfilled. We want your desires to be, to be worked out. That's what we want, Father. Now I want you to see these first three requests. Where is the focus? The, huh? It's up there. So Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, concern yourself with his reputation. Concern ourselves with his kingdom and his sovereign rule. Concern ourselves with his will and purposes. So when we pray, we pray to our Father who is in heaven. We are praying in accord with Jesus' instructions if we pay attention to these three things that he highlighted. So often, we start praying numbers four, five, and six of the petitions. Now, they are important, but they have a different focus. So the first three of these petitions are God-focused. The following three are us-focused. And what are they? Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. What do we need? What do we need for today? And I think very clearly the intention here is not that we would every day have a loaf of bread. Though that would be part of it if bread is what sustains us. But what is needed for us this day to sustain us, to carry us forward? What do we need? And sometimes that's shelter. Sometimes that's resources. Sometimes that's physical food. Sometimes that's that's fellowship and encouragement. What do we need today? Jesus says, pray to your heavenly Father who hears what you pray in secret and who knows what you need before you ask him. Pray this prayer. Give us today our daily bread. We are looking to you, Lord, everything that we need today. We're not praying that our bank accounts tomorrow will be loaded and we don't need to trust you tomorrow. The faith of this prayer and the focus of this prayer is, Lord, we surrender to you our needs. Grant us what we need today, please. Please, Lord. 
He invites us to pray for daily bread. He doesn't ask us to pray for cake with icing and cherries. The second, the, 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 the request that follows there is, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive others. And I think Jesus understands that one of the, one of the things we need probably more keenly than we often appreciate is we need to be forgiven by God and we need to live with forgiveness being, 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 being among us. So Jesus says, pray, give us today our daily bread. And he says, pray, forgive us our sins. Who forgives sins? Only God can forgive sins. And so we pray to him by the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on our behalf. There is redemption of sins. There is forgiveness. There is cleansing. There is assurance of that. Praise God. But when we pray, let's pray looking to God for forgiveness. Now, the forgiveness that a child of God prays for is not the forgiveness at the point of salvation where we recognize finally that we are sinners and we need to be washed by the blood of Jesus. Because when we in faith embrace Jesus, our sins, past, present, and future, they're covered. They're cared for. We are secure in Christ. We are, we, 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 we are partakers of eternal life. But we all know that there is an ongoing process where we are learning and living and growing in that faith and in that sanctification. And so John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that is like a child who has wronged or disobeyed the mom and dad and comes back and saying, I'm sorry. There is a restoration of the relationship and the fellowship and the delight of mutual presence and the trust and the love. That's what our confessing as Christians daily is. It's a coming back to the Lord saying, Lord, forgive me. My words were sharp, forgive me. I've neglected something, Lord, forgive me for my anger. And that's not that we would have eternal life because if we're in Christ, eternal life is secure. But it is such an important part of our lives to be right with our Heavenly Father that we do not hide in shame or, or, or withdraw and to be right with our brothers and sisters and our families so that we don't withdraw or live with tension and anger. And Jesus knows this and he says, when you pray, pray like this. Ask our Heavenly Father for what we need today, whatever that is. And Lord, teaches us to pray, forgive us our sins. We need to be forgiven so that we might have fellowship with God and with one another. And then he, teach, he, he says this, 
pray like this, don't lead us into temptation, Lord, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. And we live in a world that is unfriendly to faith and to grace. And sometimes within ourselves, there is this urge toward evil, toward sin, towards rebellion, towards whatever. Sometimes there are those around who would push us into activity or attitudes that are, that, that are disobedience or, or harmful or dangerous or against our Lord and faith. We know we have an evil one who seeks our harm. He seeks to destroy. He, he sows dissension and conflict. And Jesus says, when we pray, make sure we're praying that God might spare us from the temptations. Lead us not there, Lord. Where we are tempted to evil, to sin, but Lord, deliver us from evil. And whether that is an evil towards towards tempting towards sin, or whether it was an evil of evil that comes against us, whether it is by, uh, by accident or by opposition or uh, any number of ways, evil in this world can be focused against God's children. And Jesus teaches us to pray. We're facing temptations, finding within ourselves or within our context, Temptation, it's a great time to pray. Lord, don't leave me there. Lord, don't leave me there. Lord, deliver me from evil. So when Jesus comes to his disciples, he starts by saying, our Father who is in heaven, that's who we pray to. Who calls God Father? His children. So it presumes a, a relationship with God Almighty. Creator of heaven and earth has seen fit that you or I or anyone who calls on his name, believes in his son, receives his, his work on our behalf. Anyone is granted sonship through faith in Jesus Christ. That's an amazing thing. But this invitation to address God as Father is not, it, it's, it's open in the sense that anyone who believes, but it's not open in the sense that everybody who is created is a son in this regard. For there are many who oppose God or who neglect God or who seek to break his, his reign over us. But Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father. He says, pray our Father. I think one of the, one of the, one of the things to note is the privilege that we can address the creator of heaven and earth as Father is a wonderful thing. But it also is true it follows on from that, that all who are children of God are therefore 
brothers and sisters. So when we pray to our Father in heaven, we're not only acknowledging that we have a relationship with him, but we are also acknowledging that we have a relationship with all who share faith in Jesus Christ. And often, we encounter people who attend another church or who have, who, who have some different perspectives on things, and, and sometimes our inclination is to keep a step apart there is a caution, there is a competitiveness sometimes. Dear friends, Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who is in heaven, Lord over all, King of all, but he's our Father. And we dare not address him as Father and deny that we are brothers and sisters, we and so we need to care for one another, respect one another, love one another, and desire the best for one another. So Jesus says, when you pray, be careful that you don't pray to be seen by others, to show off some kind of a piety. Rather, pray quietly in secret. Your heavenly Father hears, knows, when you pray, be careful that you don't think that it's in the words, the many words, the repetition of the words, whatever. It's, that's not the power of prayer. Because our Father, who is in heaven, who loves us, who knows what's best for us, he knows what we need and what we request even before we say the words, even before they're formed in our mind. Praise God. But then when we pray, Let's be sure that we, that we understand if we're going to heed the instruction and the guidance of our Lord Jesus Christ, our starting place in our hearts and in our minds and in our prayers desire is God-focused. For his name, for his reputation, for his kingdom, for his reign, for our submission to it for his will to be worked out, whether or not we particularly like what might, might be the case, but we want your will, Lord. And if these are the things that guide our prayers, if these are the things that are in our heart, when we start to pray for one another, when we bring our petitions to him, when we bring our needs to him, it puts it all in a different perspective. Lord, even as you grant us our needs today, may your name be glorified. Even as you answer our prayer and intervene on our behalf, Lord, may your will be worked out. Please, though we have this desire and we pray to this end, Lord, we want your will. Lord, we want to be part of your kingdom, both, both in terms of our living and surrender, but in terms of our aspiration for it to be increased, for many others to be joined together into your kingdom, recognizing you as Lord. And then we have freedom to pray for our needs. Christ invites us to. And we have 
the invitation and the instruction that we also need to be praying about temptation, that we might be kept from it where that is possible, that we would be protected from evil, and recognizing that it's our Heavenly Father who has something to do with that. It's not within my own strength. It's not within my own plans to resist the evil that comes around us. We start with a look to heaven in that. And we need God's forgiveness. We may be children of God. We may be assured of a home in heaven. We know that we are joint heirs with Christ. But dear friends, we dare not neglect this continual returning to the Lord when, we, when, 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 when our fellowship with him and with one another are interrupted with sin or with hardness of the heart or with conflict. May God help us linger in this prayer. It's a marvelous place to pray. I know if you're like me, there are times when the circumstances are around or are such that it's difficult to know what to pray. Sometimes the storm is so intense, it's, it's hard to have the focus. Sometimes I just come back here and I say, Lord, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. Lead us not into temptation to that place where we surrender to sin and protect us from evil and the evil one. And that closing part of the prayer that we usually include, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Uh, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now those few phrases, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen are not found in some of the earliest transcripts of the scripture. But they certainly are truths that correspond with the truths of scripture. So it is quite appropriate for God's people to say, mine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to invite us to pray together. Let's stand together. We pray as the Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Doug. Uh, Doug and I did not collaborate in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but it seems that uh, there was a message to be had today. Um, before we go and sample tea and let Doug uh, escape, we're going to stand and sing our final hymn, uh, number 37 in your books, uh, As a Deer Pants After Water. Thanks for listening everyone i hope you all enjoyed that awesome message from doug um, don't forget that if you want to listen to any of our old services we're available on all the major streaming platforms as well as our website which is www.kingsmeadchapel.com
www.wordpress.com. And if you have any comments or suggestions, please feel free to send me a voice note on Anchor FM or send us an email or even just WhatsApp us if you're within Zimbabwe. Thanks everyone and we'll speak to you again next week.